Welcome to Metaverse, the Metaverse podcast. This is episode three. My name is Noah Kravitz. Coming up on the program, a conversation with Charles Dew. Charles is the CEO of Fastbreak Labs, an early stage startup. Uh, just secured a round of seed funding in, in February, so about a month ago. Congratulations to Charles and his team. They are building a basketball manager game in the metaverse. It's called VBA, the Virtual Basketball Association. The website is vbagame.com. You can check it out. If you've ever played fantasy sports or GM mode on NBA 2K or any of the other uh, sports franchises on console and PC, you know what I'm talking about. It's an experience where you build the team, you trade, you, you develop players, you build your roster out, you do all the things that you do when you're the general manager of a sports franchise. And that's the gameplay. What does it look like on the metaverse? Fantasy sports, hugely popular, uh, but abstracting that to Web3, where what's cool and interesting about what Fastbreak Labs is doing with VBA game is it's not based on real players. So you don't get the LeBron James uh, token and put it into your VBA team. You're creating players uh, they have player archetypes. They have all kinds of things that, that make it realistic. You're creating the players, and then you own the IP of these fantasy players, and you can go off theoretically and do things with them. You can set up a Twitter account for your fantasy player. You can build a line of merch. You can do whatever you want and reap the rewards from that as well. Uh, so it's a great conversation. Charles, super cool to come on the show. We didn't know each other. I was researching for the show, looking for guests, just looking for what's going on in the metaverse. And uh, Fast Break Labs caught my eye because I've been a basketball junkie since I can remember. Uh, so I reached out to Charles. We got to talking and we had a great conversation. So definitely stick around for that. We get into um, just kind of more abstractly the role of NFT in gaming, in the metaverse, what's going on with scams and shill shilling and how to move past that into building things and building community. It's a great conversation. So stick around for that. Before we get to it, a tiny word of housekeeping. Uh, the podcast is dropping on Tuesdays as of right now. Some new episodes going up on Tuesdays. Uh, subscribe, leave a review if you're so inclined. Tell your friends, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And then also we've got a sub stack. The newsletter is going out on Wednesdays as of right now. New um, new post to the newsletter. So um, you can subscribe to Substack and just get it all, metaaverse.substack.com. You'll get the blog posts or the newsletter updates. You'll get the um, podcast episodes as well. But so podcast episodes Tuesday, newsletter blog post updates on Wednesday. And then you can also find us on the socials, Twitter and Instagram at metaaversepod. And finally, if you want to give us your feedback, you want to let us know what you think of the show, ideas, suggestions, questions, all that good stuff. You just want to say hello. You can do it on the socials. You can also do it via email if you're so inclined, if you're old school like I am and you like the email. It's metaversepod at gmail.com. That said, thanks to everyone who's reached out already, left a review, just said hi, listen to the show. We appreciate you. We love you. That's why we're here. We're exploring together. With that being said, let's get on to it. Here's Charles from Fast Break Labs. All right, Charles Stu from Fast Break Labs is here as promised. Uh, Charles, 
Thanks for getting up early. Uh, we were talking offline. Bunch of you've already had a morning and a half, so we appreciate you finding the time and energy to do this. I'm excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Definitely, man. I'm excited to be here as well. So, uh, congratulations. We're we're recording this kind of mid March, and just at the end of February, you announced um, seed round funding for Fast Break Labs. You guys are building. Uh, I'm getting this from your website. You're building the first basketball manager game in the metaverse the VBA Virtual Basketball Association. So let's just start with that. Tell us about Fast Break Labs and the VBA, what you guys are doing. Yeah, so Fast Break Labs sort of sits as this parent company over VBA. And the mandate that we created Fast Break Labs with was to create new sports games and experiences that were fitting for a Web3 world. And uh, VBA was sort of our first experiment there. Um, and we hope it turns into success, obviously. But the concept behind VBA was there are tons of people out there who dream about owning a basketball team or a basketball franchise. Um, I myself grew up playing like NBA 2K GM mode, fantasy basketball and things <laughs> like that. And so yep. the concept here is that people will own these teams of digital collectibles, all fictional players, and they compete in games, tournaments and leagues for real rewards that people can actually earn. Got it. Okay. So uh, a bunch, a bunch to get into there. So the basics of the game for people who aren't uh, necessarily, well, even sports fans, but fantasy sports fans, fantasy sports is huge across I hear about it a lot with football, but basketball, I'm also a basketball junkie. Hence, um, you know, uh, hence how we got connected. I came across what you guys are doing. I was like, hey, hold on, basketball <laughs> web three. Let's talk. So I, I appreciate you even returning my first message there. But explain a little bit about the concept of fantasy sports, fantasy basketball, just for folks who, who don't follow. Yeah. So I'll draw a distinction here in that I like to call this game actually like fantasy, fantasy basketball, and that <laughs> it's not quite fantasy basketball but it borrows elements from it. It's more of like a fantasy fantasy basketball. And so I'll just sort of tell the origin story a little bit behind it, if that helps, Great. and then sort of transition yes. to what that word means, at least to me personally. So my experience growing up as a kid was I would play fantasy, or sorry, I would play uh, NBA 2K My GM mode. And we would play this thing. I would never actually play the video game itself, like just not very good at like handheld console games, to be honest myself. Right. <laughs> but I would really, really love to just like compete against my friends in this like, simulation mode where we would try to put together the best team that competes and we would play this game well into year like 2050 2060 2070 all the players on these teams would be fake but we still have fun sort of trying to put together the best roster and best coaching strategy to win championships and so that's where the first fantasy comes from is that actually we're based off of like fictional players that people own non-tied to like any kind of ip in the world and the second half of this when i say fantasy basketball is that when you become an adult, you start playing fantasy sports versus these video games. And I think part of the reason why is that you spend so much, like you don't have that much time anymore, right? You have a family to take care of. In my case, like, you have a dog that you have to take care of. And so you only have like 10, 15 minutes a day to really like set your lineup and get ready there. And so our idea with this was, is like, let's borrow elements from like fantasy sports UI so that it is accessible for like more adults to go out and play and have like a minimal time commitment. And so that's sort of the two halves of like the fantasy, fantasy basketball description that we have for this game. Got it. So we'll get into the game mechanics at least a little bit uh, in a minute here. But so the VBA, your your creation or your uh, your community's creation, we'll get into that too. Mm -hmm. How it's built um, is based on fantasy players, not not players that are, are you know real humans playing basketball in the NBA or another professional league somewhere. Yes. These are, as you said, it's a fantasy fantasy league. Yes, exactly. Cool. Okay. Great. And so, um, where in the journey? Uh, is the league is is fast break laps 
So as you mentioned, like we just announced our seed route at the end of February. This company has been around for maybe four months now. So we're very early days. Um, and I know people say that we're early in Web3 a lot, but we are truly in the very early days of building a company. <laughs> early, here. early. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've been sprinting towards initial launch because we do want to get this in the hands of users, um, especially because we want their feedback and we want to build it together with them. So uh, our mint is going to be in two weeks uh, on March 30th. And then uh, the initial alpha version of the product will come out about mid-May. Okay, great. And so mint means the first batch of tokens of NFTs being minted and available for use? Yes, yeah. So people will be able to mint a player pack um, on March 30th. And what that pack is, is it basically allows you to receive one player a week until the product comes out. Got it. Okay. And so maybe let's get into the game mechanics just a little bit now. Mm-hmm. When the league, and obviously every every <laughs> with Web3 even more than Web2, everything's a beta, right? It's, yeah. it's Or not a beta, I should say, but it's all iterative. It's all being built and refined and, mm-hmm. and the community's influencing and everything. How is the actual uh, gameplay going to work? Just kind of briefly. Yeah. So I'll talk about what the season zero alpha gameplay looks like and then sort of transition that into what we hope it becomes long-term just because oftentimes, let, yep, go ahead. I was going to say, and let's, uh, we'll do this again at the end, but let's get a plug in. If people are listening and they want to fire up their browser and kind of have something to look at while they listen to you, it's vbagame.com. Yep. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. vba.game.com. Okay. Uh, VBA game on Twitter also works. Our Discord ending is also VBA game, so we hopefully keep that simple for everybody. Totally, it's it's appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> so the season zero alpha basically is what we've done here is for every single player that you have on your team, they've been given like a set of attributes and like a play style. So for example, a play style is like pass first point guard, and you could imagine that the attributes that they have are you know really strong, like basketball IQ, really good at passing and dribbling perhaps less good at like interior paint defense, for example. And we've created a handful of these player archetypes with feedback from the community so far, and then also give assigned attribute ranges to them, depending on how highly rated or sort of rare a player is in general. The one thing I'll call out here though, is that rarity does not automatically equal successful. And that just like in the NBA itself, you can have somebody who was undrafted turn out to a star or somebody who's the first overall draft pick turn out to be a bust. Um, and we did that intentionally because we want people to play the players to figure out who is actually a gem and who is nice. Um, in terms of the actual loop itself is what we wanted to really figure out here is are people interested in competing in these contests with simulated players on a repeated basis? And so the way that we set up the first core loop is, is that, you know, you enter your team in a weekly contest, your team will be put into a round Robin group and you'll play six games that week. And then the winner of each round Robin group uh, is rewarded out sort of from our Solana prize pool at the end of each week. Okay. And then in addition to that, basically, as your team does well, you'll be put into better and better groups where the prizes become better and better as well. Got it. Okay. Uh, and the gameplay itself is all a simulation or do the players have sort of real-time input into the game gameplay itself? Uh, for the Season Zero Alpha, it'll just be a simulation. The UI looks very similar to like an ESPN or like a Bleacher Report box score that you would see where okay. we just output play-by-play over the course of like, we're still debating on the time actually, but probably around like 30 minutes to an hour at this time, or the game will just play out before your eyes as if you're watching like the box score view. Right. Cool. And so why do this on web three? There are, you know, fantasy leagues and, and manager uh, sports manager simulations are huge. Right. And as we mentioned across different sports and the mechanics of what you're talking about, um, you know, I only hear basketball when we're talking. I'm a basketball guy as well, right? But I know that these are similar mechanics, not just in sports and, you know, all kinds of other games that are based on simulations. And they're out there now on Web 2 or on consoles, for that matter, as we were talking about. 
why why build this on Web3? Yeah, I think for us, the thing that the standout reason for this was the ownership component, where because we're using fictional players, we can really enable our audience to actually own the IP that they play with. Right. And what this enables really is, is like you as somebody who has five players can like create the names of these players. You can create the backstories of these players. You can create Twitters and Instagrams. Like you own the brand itself at that point. And so you're able to go do whatever you want with it. And we think that's a really powerful concept for people, um, especially because like we're not tied to any existing league at the moment. So if, um, if I created a player that turned out to be, I don't know, popular for whatever reason, mm-hmm. right? A superstar performer or, I mean, I don't know what's possible, but I suppose if I created the IP, I could give my player, a, I don't know, a TikTok account or a, a Twitter exactly. account. And, right. And, and, you know, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting caught up now in real life MBA stuff with burner accounts and all that in my <laughs> head, but I could create all of that. And maybe that player, that IP could generate its own following. And then I, I own that and I can go do whatever I want. With yes. It. And we would, this has a little bit of precedent. Uh, I'll give two examples as to why I think this is, actually has a lot of potential is, I don't know if you've heard of Lil Michaela, but Lil Michaela is this like digitally no, created. That doesn't mean anything. Lil Michaela is like this digitally created personality, really, who's on Instagram. She's like millions of followers, not a real person. Somebody that right. this like organization created and like put her in a bunch of settings. And now she's like got a fan following around the world. Um, this also happens a lot in China as well. Like I was talking with somebody the other day in China and they're creating similar digital avatars where they're just taking these digital assets basically and putting them like in online and creating their own personalities around them. And so we think that's something that we would really love to see our community do here is like take the assets that we create for them, use the gameplay almost as like feeder into like the story, right? To sort of have storylines and then create a universe around it where everybody sort of puts in together. And the value of ownership here now is like, okay, if I, you know, if the league is successful and I'm putting time investing in this character, now I've built up their IP so that when I want to like, you know, switch to a different game or do something else, I've actually built up this like value behind them. Right. So switch to a different game. You kind of read my mind when I was thinking about my sort of somewhat nascent and developing understanding of, of NFTs and Web3 and gaming in particular. There, um, There's a lot of press about existing gaming companies and, and gamers and developers, at least some of them. Mm-hmm kind of coming out and stating like, you know, we're not interested in NFTs right now. Yeah. So, so that being what it is, um, my understanding is that part of the thing with NFTs, I mean, ownership, the word you were just talking about is that theoretically in the metaverse, I could create or even, you know, purchase, acquire an NFT that I could use in a game and, or, or maybe I have my character and I'm buying, uh, you know, virtual, virtual items, virtual accessories, virtual weapons, virtual uniforms, virtual sneakers, whatever it is. And then I could take those and I could bring them with me to other games that I play that are, you know, built in a compatible matter, right? But the idea is that you have ownership, you can take these things, you can use them in other games and other places, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Is that where your head's at right now, or your team's heads collectively in terms of what the future may be? of gaming on the metaverse, you know, both, both specific to what you're doing at, at fast break labs, but also kind of broader. Yeah. If I could just sort of repeat that back in two parts, almost, well, there's, I think there's one part, which yeah, is, sorry, that was a lot there. I was, I was kind of working <laughs> out my thoughts as I go. So yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there's one thought here, which is like marketplaces within game economies have existed for forever, right? Like if you played RuneScape, mm-hmm. like, you know, you can sell like gold or, ore or whatever on the black market. And you, there's always been sort right. of a marketplace. So what blockchain does there is, for games that don't existing don't have an existing marketplace ecosystem, 
like you can use things like Magic Eden, OpenSea, et cetera, to go out and like transact freely these things with trust, right? The second thing I think what you're talking about is more interesting, which is like the interoperability of items, which is like, okay, now I have a basketball in one game. If I bring it over to this other game, does that basketball still have value? Right. I think that's really cool. I just think that developers have to like be bought into sort of working with each other for that to happen. Like we've yeah. we've talked a number of projects about collaborating on that, but I think the state at which Web3 is in right now is like so early that that might be a little bit ways out where it's like everybody needs to have their own product first almost before it makes sense to really right. start incorporating other IPs. Right. I mean, I would imagine the technical, you know, the, just the logistics of making that work are pretty complicated and, and will take maturation. But then also you've got these existing, um, and this is kind of a theme, I think, generally with, with Web3 and everything happening. You've got these existing players, a lot of them quite large, who have a financial stake in keeping their walled gardens, right? And keeping, you know, well, I've already got and I don't mean to call them out, it just came to mind because my kid plays it. Uh, I've already got, you know, we've already got Roblox and Roblox has its own virtual economy, Robux and all the, all the, yeah. you know, assets being traded, all that, right? So why would we want to break that open? It's just going to be more difficult and potentially uh, lose revenue instead of, instead of driving it. Yeah. But I think longer term, you know, this notion of I can pick it up and take it with me because I own it is hugely powerful. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So why a basketball league? Why start a company? Why, um, you know, why, why fast break labs? What's the, the origin story? Yeah. So I think for me, like, this is actually like a passion project in that I've been a huge basketball fan my whole life. My first basketball game actually was a Yao Ming KG game. I'm from Minnesota. And so nice. my dad, my parents are both immigrants from China. And so when they saw Yao Ming in the league and him playing in Minnesota for the first time, we're like, okay, we got to go to this game. And we had like right, right. the worst seats probably in the stadium, <laughs> just like in like the way, way back. You probably couldn't even see the people on the court. Well, that's it, right? That kind of makes the story even. I have memories of sitting in the in the cheap seats. And, you know, I grew up on the East Coast, so in some arenas back there. But that almost makes the story better, right? Yeah. And that's when I really got into basketball myself. And then I think along around that time, basically, I got my first basketball game. I think it was like NBA Live, like 06 or something like that, when Tracy McGrady right, was right. recovered. So very, very <laughs> Houston Rockets oriented time, I guess. And, <laughs> right, right, right. And I would just sit there and like play this like fantasy mode, right? This GM mode. And like I would like edit my players. I'd create new ones. I'd create a version of myself in the league, right? And I would do all these things here. And like as I've gotten older, like I've actually still loved that gameplay experience. Like I've been playing fantasy sports for like the longest time have been in like multiple leagues um probably spend way too much time like watching like box scores on my phone actually instead of watching like <laughs> right, the live right. games i don't know why i switched right. from watching live games watching like just like a static text feed but i love it now and as i was just exploring web3 myself personally the more and more i thought about this the more and more i was like oh it'd be really cool to have like a web3 native basketball manager experience and so the company itself sort of formed around that idea and then What's cool is because I had been so involved in like fantasy sports for such a long time, like many of my buddies that I've been playing with for a number of years right. have all joined and sort of now are working on this company together. Very cool. That brings up something that when we were uh, we were communicating before before getting on the line here to record, um, I mentioned, uh, well, a couple of things. One, the whole community building aspect of Web3 and, and, and the metaverse and all of this stuff is really fascinating to me. Uh, there are a lot of headlines being made about, you know, grifting and scammy behavior. And 
rug pulls and all these things, particularly uh, related to NFT sales um, mm-hmm. that maybe are dying down a little bit as we record this and the market is set on a little, but I don't know, we'll see. So those are a lot of the headlines and a lot of things that that caught my eye initially. But the more I kind of dug in, the more I saw, you know, there are, are people, and I think the past couple of years with the pandemic and a lot of people moving to remote work and, and being in front of screens, impacts some of this, but I think some of it is just the way the state, you know, where we're at this moment in time in the world, people are looking for community and they're looking to their devices because that's so much of what we do and why the metaverse is happening. Right. When I, uh, you know, joined your discord and kind of, kind of looked around a little bit, um, you know, there's just a lot of conversations happening about basketball, about favorite players and teams, about things that kind of spring off from that, just things that would happen in a community. Uh, and there's a lot that, that you discussed already, and that is, you know, I, I read about about the the project, the flight paper, and mm. all the other stuff on uh, VBA games, about, you know, the, the ownership and the participation of the, the users, the user creators. How big of a thing is community, you know, not just in what you're doing now, but, but in where do you think gaming and the metaverse is sort of headed and these experiences. And, and as you kind of said, you know, all these things that happen beyond the game itself, right? So that professional sports have, have created fantasy experiences. They've created, you know, alternative ways to view the games. You get into watching the box scores instead of the live play, as you said, I've gotten really into sort of the, uh, <laughs> the drama of the NBA with all mm-hmm. the player movement, but then also all the kind of meta stuff. You know, I listen to a lot of basketball podcasts and it's, you know, media people talking about the game as opposed to the game itself. It seems like all of this metaverse web three stuff is kind of just great fodder for all of this community activity, community building that stems from the experience, but around the experience. Is that something that, you know, you and your team as you're building, or even as you're, you're experiencing other experiences on web three, is that something that's in the back of your head that you're trying to cultivate? Or is it just sort of, you know, what's happening now and you're kind of more um, uh, riding the wave, so to speak, in an active way, obviously, but it's kind of like, this is what's happening and, and you know, we're just a part of it. Yeah. So we have um, a really core principle at the company, which is like our community is part of our product. Um, and I know a lot of people use the word community very like vaguely or just often, I guess, I'm up right now. It's just like a very large umbrella term. Um, yeah. But to us, like this, um, it's something like a game designer friend of mine mentioned at one point, which was like as much time as people spend playing the game itself, like you want people to be like thinking about the game outside of the game, right? So like when I'm playing fantasy sports, like how much time do I really spend inside of the app? Maybe like five, 10 minutes a day, just like checking the score, or maybe making a roster move here or there. But like I'm spending time just like thinking about like, oh, should I drop this player who's injured this week? You know, how is this coaching change or this roster change going to change my like performance this week? And I probably spend hours outside of that, right? I spend even more time like talking with my friends who are in the same league as me about like the players on our team trying to make trades, right? And so if I were to break that down, it's like I spend probably like 5% of my time in the actual product and like 95% of the time just like in these like other forums that I'm in and community is one of them. And so to us, like when we think about a product that we're building is like we want to fully invest in the game, but we also want to create this ecosystem like that is the game around the game, which is like, you know, there should be like, a persona or personality that people feel when they're a part of this association, right? We want people to feel like they have friends and they can trash talk with each other. We want to make sure that people feel like they're collaboratively building this thing. And when we say community equal product is we like create products that help facilitate these things, right? So like we want to help create products that, you know, 
facilitate conversation between the community. We want to create products that help people build things in the community um, and stuff like that, because we do think that is like crucial to like the success of the, of the business. So you mentioned, you know, you are a business. Let's talk for a second about sort of the financial aspects of this stuff. Is there a, a buy-in for the league? You mentioned players being, you know, rewarded potentially down the line. And I know that there are challenges. There are other things going on in the community besides the gameplay itself and the, the alpha season and beyond. But how does that work? Do I have to purchase a token to get in or do I sign up and then I get access to, um, you know, an airdrop or a mint? What are the mechanics there? Yeah. So early days is... Um, in order to play the version, the game itself, you need to have at least five players on your team. Now, how okay. you acquire these five players is up to you. You could mint a pack, you can trade NFTs, you can buy them, etc. But you need to have at least five on your team that fill the roster spots. And then basically what we're going to do is week after week, the top winners will receive rewards. And so how this works economically for the first season is that from the sale itself, we'll have a pretty decent sized treasury, right? Of, of basically rewards that we can pay out to people. And then on top of that, like as people transact these players effectively and we earn secondaries, that also increases the amount of revenue that we can sort of distribute to the community itself. Okay. So there is, so for me to mint my first pack, I do have to spend money. Yeah. 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 But a long term okay. thing that okay. we really care about is accessibility and that right now, like crypto is pretty inaccessible and in that like you have to know how to set up a wallet, you have to memorize these secret phrases, you can switch your <laughs> right. dollars into, you know, into like, ETH or Solana or whatever, and it becomes like really hard for like a non somebody who's like getting into it for the first time to just get started. There's a lot of like friction, and so we believe right. long term like the best products in this space will abstract that away and just let blockchain sure. be like an underlying technology that helps create all these cool things, all these cool things. But it's not something that's like bam like in your face every single day. Right. What uh, what blockchain are you operating on? We're building on Solana. On Solana. Okay. And is Solana, what are the benefits or, or why did you choose Solana? Yeah, we chose Solana mostly because of like the low transaction cost and speed. Um, for us, like as a game, like a great user experience is really important to us. And you can imagine like a pack opening experience on like a different ecosystem where like you wait 10 minutes and then you know what you get. Right. And that sounds, right. that feels pretty painful. Um, yeah. <laughs> so for us, basically like the speed of Solana allows us to actually allow, give people these assets um, in a really quick time. And then also because of the low cost of transaction, we want people actively trading these assets, right? We want people trying to make their team better. And so like if the, like the cost, like the gas cost effectively, right? If your transaction is low, it allows people right. to actually do that more. Are you, and I'm asking everybody I talked to about this, are you concerned about the uh, energy consumption and kind of environmental impact of blockchain technologies broadly. And I know there are certain blockchains and, and proof of stake versus proof of work that can mitigate some of that. Is that a concern? Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of like the initial blockchains that came out like Bitcoin and Ethereum are particularly worse for the environment and that uh, they're more proof of work models. And so as a result of that, a lot, there's a lot more environmental cost. I heard this quote recently from like a reputable game company and that like buying an NFT on certain chains like Solana is equivalent to sending two emails, right? And so that framing helps reframe it in that like Solana as an ecosystem is, while still like harming the environment in some degree, as all technology companies do, is relatively right. lesser than right. that as well. Right, yeah. got it. I'm, I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they got certified. I don't know if you know this company called Watershed, but Watershed does a lot of um, like environmental consulting or like, uh, what's it called? Carbon accounting for, for companies. Okay, right. They do a lot of carbon accounting for right. companies. And 
they've worked with Solana heavily on making sure that they're offsetting the environmental impact of their chain. Got it. Good. All right. Fodder for future guests, blog posts, <laughs> dig, in, dig into this because because it's a thing and you hear this with any new technology, but let alone somebody like me who's sort of on the outside, but, you know, mm. sort of trying to peek in and talk to people on the inside. You hear the headlines about, you know, the using the same amount of energy as a sort of small to mid-sized European country, mm. right? <laughs> with yeah. blockchain generally and, and everything. And so um, it's good to drill down and there are different blockchains and people working on these things, which is obviously important in this day and age. So for people right now who want to experience, get in on the ground floor, maybe we're a little bit above the ground floor, floor, floor two of what VBA is doing. There's vbagames.com. There's Discord. Let's take just a quick minute, and I'm not going to hold you up as the Discord expert here, but for folks who aren't so familiar with Discord, it's kind of funny. Um, my older son, who is 12 and a half right now, is a gamer, and um, you know he's into just all the things that 12-year-olds on the internet do these days, Twitch, Discord, all that kind of stuff. I've said to him a few times, so is Discord kind of like Slack, but for like younger, cooler people? And he's like, eh, it's sort of a better Slack, but not not really. But Discord kind of seems to be the app that you need to be familiar with if you want to be doing things right now in Web3 on the metaverse. Is that even close to, to what's accurate? Talk about Discord for a second for folks who don't know. Well, I guess I'm old too, because I used to never use Discord until about like maybe like a year, year and a half ago when I first got into like NFT specifically. Like before, like right. if you're just trading like crypto in general, like you don't really need Discord, right? You're right, just you don't buy need it. Yeah. And then Discord yeah. is like this new thing that just like really popped up, at least for me, right? And now all of a sudden I'm spending time like in the evening, just like chatting with these random people that I've never met before on the internet. Community building. Yeah. <laughs> What's been cool about it, it's been like kind of fun in that like, you get into some spaces where it's just like, you know, how do I get on the whitelist or like people just like trolling, which does happen. Right. right? But then you get into these other communities and they, you see people talking about like their pets and like their lives and what they did at work and what they're eating that day. And it's like, Oh, it's like, I, and I, I don't know if this is like correlated with the pandemic, but I just feel like on some level we're like during the pandemic, we would just spend so much time inside that it was nice to be able to chat with somebody who like yes. had similar interests as you that these communities formed around. And so like, Discord to me just feels like worse Slack, actually, because <laughs> I really, I really <laughs> love Slack because of the organization. Like I like, I'm a super organization, not that I love that. Like I right. can have not only just like channels, but like threads. And I just found yes. like Discord threading to be less performant than Slack threading, not to get too into the Interesting. Weeks Interesting. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Because there's no like, what, what Slack is, what Discord is good at is like you and I can talk in the main channel where everybody else can see. But if you and I wanted to have like a side conversation, I have to basically friend request you and move that offline. But in a world full of like okay. scams where everybody's like, hey, like never send DMs and respond to DMs. Right. It's like, it's really, really hard to have that more one-on-one -on -one connection. Right, right, right. And an advisor of us always talks about like, you know, like, you know, how do you have somebody send their first message? How do you have somebody have their first conversation? How do you have somebody make their first friend in the community? And something that I'm trying to crack is like, how do I have somebody make their first friend in this community? in a world in which it's like harder to facilitate like a one-on-one -on -one interaction. Interesting. Right, right, right. Huh. Yeah. So no, so, so DMing just isn't a native thing on, or it it's was, the opposite. Like it's it a native was. thing, but you want to avoid it. Yeah, right? it was. And then people just started getting scammed all the time with like, yep. like, right. like people stealing their wallet addresses, like phishing links and things like that. And so now every single right. server you go into is like, you know, first thing you do, make sure you turn off your DMs. And then the team basically right. saying, we will never DM you. Like only ever communicate with like our right. official Twitter account. Wild. 
All right. I'm keeping an eye on time here. And before uh, before we get into wrap up mode and let you go, Charles, the podcast is called Metaverse. It's about the metaverse, which I'm using broadly right now to mean Web3 stuff, to mean virtual reality, extended reality, things going on with crypto, that kind of thing. It's, you know, it's early days, but it's also not blockchain, VR have been around for a while, but there's this moment kind of happening now where all of a sudden I started hearing about it in, in mixed company, as they say, right? I have business friends in the tech industry talking about it. I have, you know, as I mentioned, my my own kids and the stuff they're doing and seeing what's happening on, on Roblox or, you know, with PC gaming and Discord, as we talked about it. It's a thing. It's happening right now. Do you think that this notion of the metaverse is around to stay? Do you think we're headed towards a sort of ready player one type reality, whether utopian or dystopian, but where people are kind of, um, you know, logged into headsets and experiencing work and play and other forms of life in this immersive virtual reality? Uh, Our first guest on the show, uh, Nenea Reeves, who works, Mm -hmm. who has rather, I should say, a VR company, was talking about the real moment coming of, you know, lightweight smart glasses Mm. that, you know, you kind of, for as much as you and I are both wearing glasses for um, vision purposes, minor vision, I would assume yours are, you'll get that, but then you'll also get all of the data and all of the experiential layers on top of it. Do you have thoughts about where you see this headed or even where you'd like to see it headed or, or don't want it to head as we look out to the next, you know, couple of years, five years, whatever the time frame is. Yeah. The interesting thing about metaverse is that I think everybody has their own slightly different definition of what metaverse means. Right. There's the camp that is like, oh, metaverse is ready player one. There's the camp that is like, you know, metaverse is this place in time. And I think like the best definition that I've heard so far that I resonated with is the metaverse is a feeling. And the way that he described it was, is the metaverse is a feeling where the experiences that you have in the virtual world feel as fulfilling as the ones that you have in like the IRL world. Right. And so when I say like BBA game is like the first basketball manager game built for the metaverse, we mean it in that context. And that like, we want the experiences that people have playing our game to feel as fulfilling as they are, or if not more so than they are in the real world. Now that makes sense. I am. I wish I could remember his name. There was a quote I saw a few months ago now from a rapper uh, who, and it was out of context in a, you know, in Mm -hmm. a blog article or something, but it just said, we're already, we're already in the metaverse. Like, Mm. you know, just look around and watch people and think about it. I think we've already got a foot in there and, you know, listening to you talk, I was reminded of experiences I had in, you know, in text only chat rooms years ago, right. (laughs) Where I felt like, right. Or, or even, you know, playing, playing the Sims. The first time I played the Sims, I was up all night, a couple nights in a row till I made myself stop because I got so drawn in and, yeah, that that feeling, right? That feeling exists, and and it's being created in, in new ways these days. So I, yeah, I like that. I like that. One. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's a way to say that we're already living in the metaverse. Like, I I could have said that when I was playing Neopets as a kid. Like, I was exactly, thinking about right? like my Neopets <laughs> as if they were my real pets, like all the time. And I would have said that they would have nailed that feeling for me of feeling like, okay, this feels very real to me as a person. It feels something that's right. meaningful to me. And so I think that that's the operational. That's the definition that we're going with for now. Excellent. All right. So let's land looking forward again. You mentioned a couple of these things before um, the player pack minting and the alpha season coming up. Give us kind of the quick recap of the near term roadmap for VBA games. And then maybe we can land with uh, some links and other resources for people who are interested and want in whether to play or observe or, you know, just kind of get to know what's going on 
with uh, VBA games in the metaverse? Yeah. So uh, VBA games. I keep saying games. I'm sorry. Game singular. I yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we throw the game moniker on at the end because we wanted to clarify that this is a game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> plus VBA is actually just stands for like visual basic. So it's like we wanted to make sure that we didn't get confused with the <laughs> right, programming right, right, right. language. It's not the boring stuff. It's yeah. The fun stuff. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so... The product itself basically is, I would say is at this early stage, if you are like a diehard, like basketball manager fan, uh, you're diehard fantasy sports fan, you've created a lot of like your own players in those games. Like this early stage of VBA game is probably right for you. And then what I would say season zero really is all about is in season zero, you get basically a team of players. Your team will play in games, tournaments and leagues for prizes and the best teams will rise up to the top. And then the worst teams will sort of move down, but everybody will still win rewards throughout the ecosystem. In terms of roadmap, this is our first test in the product. Um, as we gain feedback, we set it up the weeks, the weekly system to sort of evolve into like leagues, right? And that like you can imagine like a string of weeks against similar opponents leads to like a league structure. Mm-hmm. On top of that, when we introduce leagues, we want to introduce this concept of like player progression and regression where your players are no longer static assets, but actually evolving assets. Oh, they'll nice. improve on attributes yeah. and then, you know, once they finish up their primes, they'll, I guess, regress in their attributes. Uh, so father time exists. Father time will too. exist here. Um, <laughs> and I mean, the motivation <laughs> behind this was just like, just like in real life, like you don't want to have an asset that just like is forever awesome because what will happen with the economy is that right. people no, will just hold that thing and they'll never actually play with it anymore. Yeah. Right, right. And then after that, we have a bunch of other stuff planned just sort of to enhance the gameplay experience for people um, across the board. Great. So let's end with some some links, some social handles. We, we we hit these at the beginning, but for people who want to dive in, get involved, or at least, you know, kind of participate in the community, see what's going on, where should they go? Yeah. So first place I would say is go to the Twitter. Um, our handle is at BBA game. Second place I would say you should go is our Discord, which you can find off of our Twitter, but it's just discord.gg slash BBA game. And then third place, if uh, you're not big on Twitter and you're not big on Discord, um, feel free to give us your email on bbagame.com and we'll make sure that we up- email you updates um, as the product develops and as the community grows. Excellent. We'll put all those links in the show notes to uh, make it a little easier for folks. Awesome. You know, obviously community building is a big part of what you're trying to do with VBA game and Fast Break Labs. Um, and it reminds me of, uh, uh, I think it was a tweet that I saw of yours a few weeks back um, as we started talking and, and finding a time to do this. So, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so correct me if I'm wrong, but something along the lines of, you know, what Web3 really needs is less shilling and more building. Mm-hmm. Is that, that in the ballpark of what you said? Yeah. And I had said that in response around a certain time when there had just been a lot of like repeated rug pulls over and over again, where people were just trying to do these like get rich quick schemes and then not leave anything for the people who actually invest in the communities. Let me hold you up just for a second and kind of break down what, what that means uh, for folks who don't understand what a rug pull is. And yeah, yeah, A rug pull is basically like I spin up this project. I do a ton of marketing around it to make it seem like very legit, very exciting, get people to sort of ape into it. And ape in is just like, you know, <laughs> come into a project without knowing that much. Right. And then basically right. think that there's like an opportunity here, but there really isn't. And so what the rug pull means is like you have like the rug pulled out from underneath you, basically. They take all the money and they leave. So I've bought in, I've bought tokens yep. to buy into a project and the project is promising. It's not just, it's not just, maybe it is at its essence, but it's not marketed as just financial speculation, but it's marketed as you buy in and here's the roadmap for yep. all the different things that we're going to do. You'll be a part of it. And you'll reap financial rewards, you know, if and when we grow and are successful. Yeah, exactly. And before we even get there, 
the rugs just yanked. Yes, out. exactly. And this isn't new to Web three for what it's worth. I think a lot of people are feeling it is. Right. But this happens with like a lot of new innovations. Is like when a new innovation comes out, oftentimes like the first people there are the people who are just there for like the get rich quick scam. And as a result of that, like a lot of people lose trust in the system, right? But I think like one of the best ways to build that up is to like building those two things, right? One is it raises the bar for what like a get rich quick scheme can do in that like these get rich quick schemes can't get off the ground if there's already companies that have already built up a lot here, right? And then two is just right. like building good product experiences, just builds that trust back up into the ecosystem that like there is something here that is like a good experience for me as a person and the, and the sole value prop is not just like making money. Right. Right. And that's, I mean, I, I, you know, I'll confess my first, first thing that grabbed my attention in, in this whole space. And this is a while back was, you know, these headlines of NFTs being bored apes and, mm. and, you know, crypto punks or whatever being bought and sold for scrillions of dollars uh, to, to, to cop a phrase I heard. And then from there, it's kind of, well, wait, why are these things selling for so much money? They're just a JPEG, blah, blah, blah. And then you get into these things that look like from the outside, they might be multi-level marketing <laughs> schemes, Ponzi schemes, that kind of stuff, right? And this whole pump and dump thing and wash trading and all these topics that uh, we'll get into in another ep- episode of the show. That's not good, obviously. Yeah. It's, it's it's not good for anybody except, like you said, those those first you know folks who are, are just trying to scam people, just trying to get rich quick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, and this has been said a lot on Twitter, actually, this is not like a novel opinion, but a lot of people are saying that like NFTs as a whole just needs like a rebrand, right? Like right, you right. can see people start calling them digital collectibles instead of NFTs just because NFTs is a really charged word. And I think there's a couple of feelings that come up, at least when I heard it or when I first started hearing it. And it was like, one, like, okay, these are only for rich people because there's no way I could ever afford like CryptoPunk or like a board Ape. Right. Nor like, am I super famous or like elite? So why should I be a part of these communities? And then three is right. basically like everything else is like a scam and I shouldn't be touching these things. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so like, there needs to be like a massive rebrand almost to basically say like, no, like, you know, NFTs have value beyond just being like pictures. Right. Two is like, you know, NFTs are not just for the rich and like elite people. I'll just say those two things. Actually, I don't think yeah. I have a third point after that. <laughs> there's a lot, right? There's a lot. There's functionality built in to, or can't that can be built into the NFTs. You know, there's this concept of the smart contract that is code that executes when different things happen. And the easy example is, you know, if my if my uh, digital art NFT is resold, I could have something in the smart contract that says I get a royalty, right? As the artist, I get a cut every time it's sold, but there are other, other functionality. There's voting and governance. There's access to things. You know, we've heard about NFT driven social clubs or even, you know, restaurants, you can only get a table if you have an NFT, that kind of thing, which, you know, it's a little silly to talk about, but that notion of there's actually functionality built into these things that can help drive the, you know, the day-to-day life of a community that's orchestrated around tokens. That That's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Charles, this has been great. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch the progress of the VBA and what Fast Break Labs is doing. And, uh, you know, maybe we can catch up down the line, uh, see how your first season went, what's going on with the evolution of the gameplay and the broader community. Uh, it's it's um, it's super cool stuff. And I again, we I said this offline, but part of what drew me to what you're doing, obviously, is the basketball connection. Thanks for taking the time to come on the show and all the best of luck with everything you and your team are doing. Absolutely, man. I can't wait to uh, catch up again in a few months. This is a lot of fun. 
All right, that'll do it for this episode, episode three of Metaverse. Again, my thanks to Charles Dew from Fast Break Lab with VBA Game, the Virtual Basketball Association. Uh, it's going to be wild to see, you know, one day these uh, fictional characters from these fantasy sports simulations or, or other sort of experiences, as Charles kind of was talking about, you're going to see uh, these fantasy characters taking on lives of their own. Just remains to be seen, you know, who and where they come from and what they do. It's it's a wild world out there. Thanks for tuning in. New episode drops on Tuesday. The Substack comes out Wednesday. Sign up, metaverse.substack.com and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you.